The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. Hey, Louis Trapani here. What follows next is a Doctor Who Podshock reviewing the 2008 or 2008, if you like, Doctor Who Christmas special called The Next Doctor. This uh, live over-the-net podcast was a uh, an especially popular one we had i think we we must have broken some records as far as our live shows over the net um and we had i believe it was this show that talkshoe had some technical problems where people were not able to um listen to the show unless they were actually called in on the line so even with those limitations we had an enormous um audience there on our live show and Uh, Because of that, the show did run a bit long. So what I'm most likely going to do here with this podcast is uh, I'm going to break it up into two different episodes so that it's a little bit more digestible. Anyway, so what follows is um, our live over-the-net review of The Next Doctor. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. Who blew that? I'm the Doctor. And who are you? And who are you? Year. year of our Lord, 1851, sir. Right. Nice year. Bit dull. I'm the Doctor. Simply the Doctor. The one, the only, and the best. Rosita, give me the sonic screwdriver. This investigation of yours, what's it all about? It started with a murder. You're a parrot. Is it too exciting? You're disgracing the ceremony. It's Miss Hartigan, isn't it? Goons, Mr. Fetch, Mr. Milligan. Stay where you are, you're needed. What manner of men are they? Cybermen. Monstrous witch. Merry Christmas to you too. But why are we spared? What do you need us for? Your children. My function is to serve the Cyber King, not to become the Cyber King. Then who sits there? All hail the Cyber King. But you promised me you said I would never be converted. That was designated a lie. But I would have served you anyway. Your mind is riven with anger and abuse and revenge. These have no place in a cyber mind. Activate. I can see the stars, the worlds beyond, the vortex of time itself and the whole of infinity. Alert, you are operating beyond the standard parameters. I am new. The might of your technology combined with my own imagination. Yes! There will be a new race of Cybermen, my Cybermen. Diagnosis, system failure. You will be removed from the processor. (laughs) 
Which is a hundred? What about the children? They're disposable. Come on! I am Cyber King. My mind inside the Cybermen. And you will obey me. The Cyber King! Power levels now at 100%. Delete the workforce. assert himself against me in the night. But look at what you've become. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Now you're ready. The feast awaits. With me. Walk this way. I certainly will. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, Jackson. Merry Christmas indeed, Doctor. <laughs> Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Pachak Live. Episode 137, I believe. This is the review of the 19 of the 2008 i'm gonna get it right one of these years the 2008 christmas special the next doctor this is brought to you by outpost well it's actually presented by outpost gallifrey brought to you by the gallifrey embassy and i'm just been we've been stumbling our toes here and and every other body part trying to get this show off the ground today because of technical snafus and we thought we we're past this when we did our last live show, but no tech. Well, it's to it's again, it's to no fault of our own, but the the gremlins in uh, technology have stricken again. So uh, we are experiencing some problems with people who are um, who are joining us via the chat, but are not called in. So you're not hearing us for some reason on talk shoe so we do apologize for that and unfortunately there's nothing that that we can do about it i know there was a post from um from talk shoe earlier on twitter saying that their streams they were having problems with their all their call streams and i had thought perhaps maybe it was worked out because uh, you know those that are called in are it seems to be working but it seems it's not streaming audio out on its um application or website if you're not called in you're not hearing anything we do apologize for that, but there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, you know. Many times we have to tell them not to cross the stream. Yes, not to cross the stream. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, well, let, without any further ado, let me introduce everyone. And I believe I'm just checking because I know Ken is supposed to be joining us momentarily. I'm just checking to, to see if he's on board with us yet. But. Uh, this is Louis Trapani, and joining me um, across the pond is Mr. James Norton. Hello, James. Hello. Hey. Hi, James. How are you doing? Not so bad, mate. Yourself? Good. You know, outside of all this, you know, technical madness and 
We had um, <laughs> issues uh, even before this uh, apparent talk show problem was uh, just calling in. I usually use a SIP um, address to call in, which is a directly a, an internet uh, protocol to get onto um, the talk show network without having to go via analog. You know, and I use a tool called Gizmo, Gizmo 5, and for some reason that's um, refusing to work at all. The shoe phone on TalkShoe is not working, and um, and as we explained before, there are other technical issues. But let's put that aside for now. Let's strive and for a better show and move forward. And <laughs> mm-hmm. so, uh, well, it's the holidays. Nobody's working, and it appears that technology isn't either. So. Yes, <laughs> technology has machines um, are on strike. Taking a holiday. <laughs> Uh, Darth Skeptical in our queue had in our now well also in our queue but also in chat had just mentioned that Gizmo is working now. Though um, Robert is also in our chat and he had also said that um, that Gizmo is working for him, so it must be spotty or something. The intertubes are all tied up in a knot. All right. Well, also let me finish the introductions here. We have um, I'm going to jump back and forth over the pond. We're going to jump back here to. Um, to the USA, where Taras is with us. Hello, Taras. Good day, Lewis and all. Good day. It's always a joy, a delight to have you on the show. Very good. And um, speaking of joys and delights, Dave A.C. Cooper across the pond. Hello, Dave. Hi, Lewis. I hope uh, it's sounding okay. Uh, It's a difficult day for you, I realize, but uh, keep soldiering on. As they say, the show must go on. (laughs) All right. Well... Let's see. I'm just doing another check because Ken is supposed to be um, chiming in any minute now. I don't see him yet. All right. Well, we're all gathered here today to to talk about, once again, a Christmas special for Doctor Who. I can't believe it's that time of the year ago. It feels like we were just talking about Voyage of the Damned. And here we are a year later. And this time we're talking about this year's special called The Next Doctor. And as the title implies, we're... We're treated to a possible... Well, okay. <laughs> Anyone that's listening now, spoiler alert. If you, if you haven't seen it, we're, you know, it's spoiler territory. So um, if you haven't seen this episode yet, and I realize a lot of, of our listeners may not have heard this yet because um, it hasn't sh- been uh, shown on BBC America or the Sci-Fi uh, Channel or, for that matter, um, the, the various other countries in Australia. I, I believe it's going to be on um, in Australia in a couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. I remember hearing something about that. Uh, or Canada as well. So various uh, January 25th. Thank you, Romana, too. Yes, thanks. Okay, so we're 1851. We, um, we're in that classical, traditional Dickens-like Christmas setting. Which is um, which is probably the which is probably the first time. Well, no, it's not the first time. We had the Unquiet Dead, which um, actually <laughs> was in the Dickens settings, um, which was an unofficial Doctor Who Christmas special, if you will. Uh, so we are once again in that time era, which is quite appropriate for the Christmas time holidays, and um, it kind of gets you in that mood. And we've already, if many of us had seen the two minute. Uh, preview which was actually the first two minutes of this story which um sort of gives it away from um david morris uh, morrissey's acting that uh 
he was a bit over the top and and it, it kind of made it clear to me that that even though he was calling himself the doctor and of course all us fans studied every frame of that of those two minutes and realized that he wasn't carrying a real sonic screwdriver it was a regular analog screwdriver and uh, so it was sort of clear to us ahead of time that that we weren't dealing with really the next doctor. It wasn't really going to be the the eleventh or twelfth doctor. It was, but it but it still opened up a, um, a lot of speculation on, on who he was, what was going on. Some people had thrown out all different types of ideas, and um, there, there was a lot of talk about the one doctor, which was a big Finnish audio, which had a similar uh, concept. But this is a different story. So, uh, but it, it, I thought it was a good concept, and I, th- right off the bat, before I go any further, I'm going to say um, I, I enjoyed this episode. I'm going to give it. Uh, I'm going to give my Tardis groans early. I'm, I'll give it four out of five Tardis groans, and uh, there's reasons why I'm not giving it five out of five because it is not without some um, some problems. I'll just kind of touch upon some of the, the some of the stuff that kind of um, gnawed at me a little bit, you know, which. which um, it, it seems like with many Christmas specials, um, there, there's two stories going on. There's there's the Doctor and the next Doctor story, and then there's the whole Cyberman. And it's not even ours. It's it's the it's Pete's World Cyberman, which <laughs> I, we we've gone how many years without ever encountering this alternate universe of Cyberman, and now that's all we see. It would have been better, I think, if it were, we would have worked better if we, we have, um, I don't know, I, I'm just, it just seems we're kind of limited with these Pete's World Cybermen. It would be better if we had either real Cybermen or something else that was a little bit more engaging than than just delete, delete, delete. And so, I don't know, I had a, a, an issue with Pete's World Cybermen once again in, in this story here where we're introduced to the Cyber Shades, which... I, I'm still unclear about you know what they are. There's some sort of experiment, but it's I don't know. They're I guess akin to the Daleks, pigmen, and you know the, the various other henchmen and that we've seen in in years past, whatever. But it was never really fully explained what they are. We've um, those were a homage to spare parts. Okay, so in spare parts had similar creatures. Well, it had uh, animals being uh, cyberneticized. So I think of that as just the equivalent. So, but we're we're unclear what kind of animals these are. These are just creatures <laughs> with cyber faces. It was it wasn't really clear that they, they mentioned uh, animals, but they also mentioned that children were disappearing. So whether there were children's heads that were sticking on there, that was another option. Yeah, it's possible. We had uh, the cyber leader, which had his um, going back as a nod to, I guess, Tomb of the Cybermen, which had his uh, his his brain sort of exposed, not or encased, whatever it was visible. You would think that being that's the the most vital part, if it's the only organ left, it's probably the most vital part of their bodies they want to most protect. And I don't know why. It's kind of ironic that that would be the thing that's sort of exposed out there. It didn't really make much much sense even back in 1960s with Tomb of the Cybermen, but whatever. Uh, some nice references um, to the past. 
to Plank, the fob watch, of course, and um, and of course the the info stamps that we get to see all various incarnations of the Doctor once again. Uh, that the Pete's World Cybermen had to hijack from the Daleks because um, they have no history of the da- of of the Doctor at all. So they have to um, basically. Um, hijack someone else's um info um data on the doctor because um they don't have a history with the doctor that's why one of the reasons why i don't really think these um pete's world cybermen worked as well as they could have if it was um the real cybermen that had some sort of history with the doctor instead of just um a few episodes the ending i know i think that's where it sort of kind of fell apart again um i really enjoyed the whole doctor and next doctor story that was going on and jackson lake and the doctor and that whole concept the whole cyberman thing i think was where for me things kind of fell apart and the ending even though it was um it it was executed very well and i have to say the whole story the whole episode the production values were top notch the ending was just seemed a little similar to Runaway Bride in a sense where, you know, instead of a giant star attacking Earth, now you have a, a giant robot-like cyber king thingy dingy, you know, attacking London, which no one seems to remember afterwards. But steampunk spaceship. Yes, <laughs> it's sort of a what was that the, the, um, the animated movie the the Iron the Giant or something like that. It kind of reminded me of that. It was um, goes back to maybe robot Tom Baker's story. Anyway, it it was nice, but it was just here you have the doctor once again giving the ultimatum. You know, don't make me do this. You must stop. And if they and then the, the the they decline. There's some sort of menace attacking Earth, and um, and he goes forward and 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 stops the stops him, and and the menace is over, and it just. It just seems a little formula there, as far as I'm concerned. It, um, that, that's basically some of the points that I just wanted to touch upon. Let me throw it out there and see what um, what Dave, James, and um, and Taras have to say. So, James, I haven't heard a word from you. Well, I've been listening carefully to what you've uh, been saying, Lewis, and I <laughs> I tend to agree with quite a lot of what you said. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, right off the bat, I'm gonna say that I really enjoyed this. I know that they're just reading. Um, from our own forums and forums uh, across the web that there are a lot of people who didn't enjoy it as much as I did. But first off, I really enjoyed David Morrissey Mm -hmm. uh, in the role of the next Doctor. I thought he handled it very well. It was very uh, overly enthusiastic, but you could really see that he'd he'd also kind of taken on a lot of elements of... uh, David Tennant's Doctor, as well as uh, other Doctors that have that have been in the past. I just really like the style and the atmosphere and, and the warmth, particularly in the first half of the uh, of the episode, where it really seems like they had time to really set the story. It wasn't just they ran away with themselves with it. it they had time to introduce the character of. of of uh, Jackson Lake and, and as well as the next Doctor and really set the scene, so to speak, and that is what I really enjoyed with it. Um, I guess those 15 minutes made a difference. Yeah, I, in I a think... the episode length and, and the special. I think so. I think, it uh, for me, if, if it was up to me, I would make Doctor Who an hour-long thing wherever possible um, because I think it just works a lot better. Because sometimes in the 45-minute or the 42-minute shows, however long they are, 
um, there's just not enough time to kind of catch your breath. And sometimes that works and sometimes it, it, it's good because, you know, it, it means that the action is very fast paced. But in the Christmas special, you kind of waited for, I don't know, six months or however long it's been since the end of the last series. And so it really gives you the opportunity to sort of relish the whole hour, so to speak. And um, I, I have watched it a few times and I've, I've loved every minute. For me, I, I, I do enjoy this incarnation of the Cybermen. I'll agree with Lewis, though, that I would like to see the original Cybermen from Mondas. I think they they have to come back, just so that you can, you know, like kill them by rubbing gold into their chest units and stuff like well, that, just for yeah, I mean, sheer... I, I agree, but and then what's this thing about the about the Pete's World Cybermen exploding all the time? They just seem to love to explode. I mean, the, 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 the gold dust. <laughs> yeah, whenever anything remotely is fired at them, their heads like to explode all yeah, over the place. It's incredible. Head. You <laughs> at the, the moment at the drop of the hat, they explode. <laughs> it's clearly something done for effect, but I'll agree that it's something that I think that they are doing far too much of. And it seems that the Cybermen are far too easy to defeat the Cybermen. The whole point of the original Cybermen were that they were very, very, they were almost like the Daleks in that they're very, very difficult to kill. And it's very, very difficult to stop a Cybermen. You have to use your cunning and guile. These Cybermen... Oh, until so you got to the 80s. That is. Well, okay, but at least originally, anyway, the only thing that you could do would was to kill them with gold and you had to use your cunning and your, your guile and um, to, to sort of outwit them. And they were, they were far more intelligent than they are in this series with, as Lewis has pointed out with the whole delete, delete yeah, thing. They, they seemed like and drones. The fa- yeah. They, they, they seem more like um, Borg really. I know that sounds, yeah. I'm probably going to, mm-hmm. there's going to be fanboys everywhere, like going to smack me upside the head for saying that but, but yeah, I think you're right they really don't seem to have any intelligence anymore and I think that's a real shame because that's what aside from the fact that they're largely indestructible or seem to be largely indestructible it, it, the, the whole kind of uh, menace of them was that they were so intelligent and particularly the cyber leaders and everything and one of the things that I didn't like about this story was the fact that Miss Hardigan could just come in there and easily control and manipulate them to her own ends. And that, to me, I didn't really buy. But everything else that I, lo- I loved, I adored the Cyber King. I thought that was a terrific idea. And anybody, I know it was a bit ridiculous, perhaps, but it's Doctor Who. You've got to have some kind of, of that sort of element in there, some kind of a little bit of silliness just to kind of uh, uh, bring a bit of fun to the to the, the table and so to speak. So I, I'm not agreeing with anybody who says that, oh, there was never any of this sort of thing in classic Doctor Who or, um, I mean, for heaven's sakes, we had the Loch Ness monster roaming around London before and all sorts of crazy things. I like a little bit of silliness. Or even uh, robots. Yeah, robot. Or even robots, giant robots. I mean... You know, it, it, for me, I like that. It's it's a bit silly, maybe a little bit tacky, but it, it, for heaven's sakes, it's Christmas, and you want something that you can kind of uh, switch off to and, and forget about. Um, and I enjoyed the ending and real emotion in there when, you know, the, the, the very end when the doctor's uh, saying how the companions really break 
his heart um, and why he is, in a way, almost reluctant to take on new companions because he knows that in the end they're going to break his heart. Like with Rose, when the Doctor first meets Rose, he doesn't want anything to do with her. He wants to ignore her and, you know, for her to forget about him. Uh, he doesn't want to get emotionally attached to anybody else because he knows that he'll just have his heart broken. And, you know, there are occasions where he just can't help it and, you know, does fall in love with the companions in a platonic way. And it really put like a whole serious aspect to the uh, show and set it into context. So, and really, I'm just looking forward to the the specials now that are coming up in this in in this year, so that we can see who the new companion is going to be because they really have an excellent sort of turning point now, and, and I'm thrilled about it and really looking forward to see what happens next. So I've talked enough. I'm going to pass the book over to uh, Taris or Dave, whoever well, wants to step you in do, next. I think, I think uh, Ken is with us now. I just want to. Uh, oh. Get him on if it. Yeah, sure. Oh, Ken can uh, can take over from me. But uh, my final thing, just ratings. I'm going to give it uh, four Tardis Grounds out of five because I really enjoyed it. There were just the odd little bits in the story that didn't quite wash for me, and for me that wasn't necessarily the Cyber King. It was more the things that Lewis has pointed out with the flaws in these newer newer Cybermen, really. Yeah, uh, well, I agree, James. I you know I, I know I. I went through a whole list of things that, that you know, <laughs> I thought were not right. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I did give it four out of five as well, and I thought it was an enjoyable yeah, story. Yeah, sure. And, uh, well, not to, not to make it sound like, I mean, we, we're being very critical of it. but Yes, um, well, as fans, um, it's our job. <laughs> exactly. That was just going to be my next point, is that that's our our job to be critical of it because it's a show that we're very passionate about and that, that we love. So... Um, you know, I, overall, I really enjoyed it, but just a few little things that, that let it down. And we, we could say, you know, really I love this story, and here's the 35 things we, I hate about it. <laughs> <laughs> Russell T. Davis, if you're listening, this is what we want you to change. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely love it, but we hate all this. <laughs> hey, you've only got a few short months left to change. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't do it, we're going to get Stephen Moffat. <laughs> All right. Well, is that Ken there? Ken? Hello. Hey, Ken. That is Ken, Mr. New York. It is Greg. How are I'm you, Ken? I'm at work, so I, I'm at work, and, and so I only have um, a little while, but I'm glad you – I'm glad I didn't, uh, I didn't get too far down the line. I guess Lewis did his review. I did hear James' review, and uh, – and I actually agree with it. Uh, I and I think that Lewis just said he gave it four out of five Tardis groans. Yes, I did. I yeah. um, I, I, w I would agree with that assessment. I, and I think I think that we have to judge the Christmas specials a little bit differently than a regular episode. I think the Christmas special is always supposed to be fun, family viewing in the Doctor Who tradition as opposed to something that's supposed to be really epic or deep meaning or anything like that. It's just supposed to be entertaining. And if, if that's your criteria, then this year was an entertaining special. I, I love the Cybermen. They're a favorite daddy of mine. I, I don't get the cyber something or others, the shade. monkey people. Yes, the cyber shade. Yeah, Great I, idea. I, I mean, they did so. have... 
there's justification in that the Cybermen had cyber mats at one point, so they've utilized other cyber technology to, to aid them. And I love the idea of the next Doctor. I thought it was well handled. I think they got, I think they, they, they distilled, I think Russell distilled everything that he could out of doing the one Doctor Big Finish style thing, but going in his own direction and getting that emotion. That brought the emotion into, into the part. And that that kind of stuff it was just a home run for me. I mean, it really was. And it's nice to see all ten Doctors chronologically on the screen. Uh, we've been hoping for something like this for a while to sort of canonize everything, bring bring the classic series into the fold with the new series. David Marcy's ridiculous. I mean, it was just spectacular. You couldn't take your eyes off his performance. He was just a lot of fun. He was having a good time. And um, this, the giant cyber king was a, a touch iron robot, uh, but, uh, you know, Megalon, you know, the old school giant monster things. And and it's funny, I think it was Taras who, who mentioned the original robot, you know, Tom Baker's first story. I mean, it's, it's, it's a cut from that cloth, and it's supposed to be over the top, and it was. Lewis mentioned it as well. Yeah. yeah, those those kind of things are classic Doctor Who. Those kind of things are fun. And this was a fun story, and I enjoyed it. David Tennant seemed to be having a blast. David Morrissey seemed to have it, be having a blast. And I'm blanking out on the actress who played Mrs. Hardigan, who was spectacular, yeah, too. I mean, Erla Kirwan. What's that? Erla Kirwan. She's a hottie. <laughs> and she just can't help but like like her in this. You know. And apparently, she can make Cybermen explode just, <laughs> just by thinking can. about it. <laughs> yeah, well, she can probably. Well, who didn't make Cybermen explode in this episode? Well, I explain to me how the Cybermen were defeated. They sort of she just realized what they she was doing. Like she screamed. She, yeah, it's a power overload, isn't it? All right. Well. Well, she got to see what she actually did, and then uh... it was too much for her. Kind of like, I guess, how they defeated the Cybermen in uh, the second series with the whole, uh, you know, removing the emotional inhibitor or whatever they they called it, um, so that they would see themselves for what they really were and just too much for them to handle i got that but i just didn't get why they had to kind of pop like balloons that i don't was know I, I mean the doctor just said that he severed the connection between her and the cybermen and somehow that made them explode unless there's something i'm missing there was some sort of overload i, I don't well she was in control of them and her mind was open so that she could see what she had really become and what she'd really done you know, before she was, I, I think it was alluded that the fact that the Cybermen weren't fully in control of her, but they had some kind of um, influence on her, which made her do all these sort of diabolical things without any conscience or uh, mercy or anything. Um, and so when he finds... It's a Russell T. Davis plot hole. Just say that. It's a Russell T. Davis plot hole. I think the real problem... Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I think the real problem is we didn't get enough of backstory on Mercy Hardigan to really get that part of the... Uh, yeah, I think they, the they clearly um, spent more time focusing on 
the next Doctor and the character of Jackson Lake and everything. And you can understand why they did that. It's kind of uh, very important to do that. But you're right, they didn't. I didn't really get how the whole relationship between Miss Hartigan and, and um, the workhouse uh, managers and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really understand that. But it, you know, I was I was willing to uh, suspend my disbelief for a bit of fun. With a little touch of Temple of Doom, a little Iron Giant. A little bit of Wild, wild West. Yeah, yeah Wild West, sure. Yeah, and then, why not? I'm, I was a little bit disappointed that all we had was the title of the next special. I know they haven't begun filming, but, you know, in the past, there's always been some kind of teaser to the next thing, and all we had was, you know, coming soon or coming next Planet of the Dead, and that just leaves a whole lot of questions. <laughs> Plus, yeah. they still have been writing it while they uh, were putting the credits together. So, yeah, I know a lot of Grateful so Dead our... fans that are very excited about it. Sorry, that just went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Speaking of lead balloons, did everybody enjoy the new TARDIS? Yes, I loved it. I thought, what a... Because it was just so shocking to see. And, but it made complete sense. Complete uh, sense. To me, anyway. I well, I love the way he nice. he was able to come up with an acronym for it as well. Tethered, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so let's hear... Um, we heard uh, two positives, and um, let's kind of get some contrasts. And I think Dave had... Um, had had something contrary to say about this. Did Ken give his uh, top crunch, though? I, I did. I gave it four out of five. Okay, I thought it was sorry. very entertaining. Uh, it was far from perfect, but I, I'm, I'm scaling my Christmas stories. I'm rating my Christmas stories differently than, than regular stories, and I don't mean it to be a double standard, but I think Christmas Day is all about just fun and, and something very positive, and that's what this story is, and that's what we've had in the past Christmas adventures, and and I'm sure that's what we'll see next year as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- as far as the Christmas right. specials go, I thought this was um, a a good you know in in comparison to the various other handful of Christmas stories that they have been so far. Um, I think I liked it better than than last year. Mm-hmm. I think last I, year was a bigger story. Yeah. I just I just think this was uh, a lot more fun. Yeah, I agree. So Dave, and, uh, with that. I'm, I'm going to go on to work. I say hello to everybody. Oh, okay, I look forward Ken. to listening to this. Well, thank when you it goes for out. coming in and chiming in. I'm glad you were able to join us. We'll be yeah, uh, hugs, Ken. hugs and kisses hey, to the kids. I'm not slacking today. What's that? <laughs> You're the only one not slacking today. What, going back to work? Yeah. Oh, no, I have another seven hours of slacking ahead of me. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody, take it easy. All right, cheers. Mate, bye. Again. Cheers. Bye. bye. Dave. Go on, Dave. Do you want me to go? You want to hear what you have to say? Don't, don't worry. We're, we're not going to, you know, we still love you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, first of all, no, I, I, I must say I, I do admire uh, Lewis, Ken, and James in the way that they can uh, they can take this in the stride. I mean, yes, if you've got a different hat on, there was a lot to like about it. And uh, I, I do like the first part of it. In fact, I think that's why I get so annoyed and saying even more so with last year's Christmas special because it was a bloody good story to start with. Um, and then 
Russell seems to paint himself into a corner because he starts, he, he always seems to start with an absurd idea in his mind. Uh, and uh, he runs with it for three quarters of the field and then he seems to fumble the ball at the end, to me. Uh, I mean, I did like uh, David Morrissey, they are, Romana, so you won't get too angry with me. I thought David Morrissey was excellent and I liked the interplay where basically the Doctor was the companion. Uh, so I did like that. Nobody's mentioned it yet, but I like the, the memory stamp and showing the, the ten Doctors on the screen. So we, the, Though you think the Cybermen could have yeah. upgraded the memory stamps, the info stamps to yeah. color. <laughs> They're still working in like 1960s uh, TV there. It's okay. <laughs> Well, that was the take on the Earthshock uh, yeah. hollow video. Yeah, I know, of the real Cybermen. Right. <laughs> they haven't got color like yet either. The real Cybermen. <laughs> the proper Cybermen. <laughs> I, I think the, the, the clips you showed before, I mean, uh, they wrong foot you intentionally, I suppose, but then that always gets me angry because I'm imagining things. I mean, like, I still think that the, the, the Victorian scene right at the beginning looked a fake one. And it appeared that Morrissey was going to be some sort of a fake doctor setup. So it then annoyed me that it wasn't a fake setup. It really was Victorian England. Uh, and then we had all these, um, up to about 30 minutes, it was great. And I don't dismiss that as not being good. But the point is, if it drops off a cliff afterwards, to me, that undermines it. I mean, we had all these, um, the cast of Oliver brought in onto this, what looked like a musical set, uh, which actually I hadn't realised until I saw the confidential, was actually the Torchwood Hub redecorated. Mm. Uh, great that, job at uh, that. Place. Uh, yeah, the really one thing about that set that I didn't particularly like was that in contrast to the Cybermen being metal, the set was all wood. And for a Victorian industrial scene, you'd expect more metal. Yes. At first, I wasn't sure whether that was actually inside the sort of... Well, not at first, because we didn't realize what was going to come up. But when I watched it the second time, I thought, oh, is that sort of inside the stomach of this creature or whatever? Um, I did like the mention of Blink and... Um, he mentioned Sally's name, so it made me think. I've heard somewhere, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but it is possible that um, Russell has mentioned that there will be a younger companion and possibly an older companion in, in two of the future uh, uh, specials. So it made me wonder whether he was putting that reference into being but Sally Sparrow might be one of those specials. So I perked up at that. Um, I didn't like those cyber... I thought they were called cyber shapes, but I thought they were awful. I didn't mind them at the beginning because I thought that was just the comedy bit. And like James said, I suppose you've got to have a little bit of comedy in it. And I could just about accept that. But uh, when, as I say, we had that, then we had the two clean London, then we had these cherubic, uh, well-fed children coming straight out of the musical. And then I just... I nearly turned the TV off when that monster came out of the Thames. I mean, you see, I know now I sound an old Scrooge, I'm old, but um, the thing is, I sometimes think if you've got friends that don't watch Doctor Who, at Christmas you can say, well, watch Doctor Who, go on, you'll like it, you, you might become a fan. 
But I'd be scared to death of saying that, because if they actually become a fan of the Christmas specials, you're selling them a different product. It's not, and I've said this before, I don't think... Kenny's right, you've got to judge these in a different way, and perhaps it's my failing that I can't do that. Um, so um, I will say that. I, I liked uh, the uh, the villainess. I thought she was great. She, uh, she's been in Goodnight Sweetheart, which is a BBC comedy sci-fi that used to be on TV. But um, again, that monster, I kept thinking uh, Doughboy from the Ghostbusters or Godzilla or Iron Giant as somebody else is putting I'm going to keep it brief because I don't want to put it down there, but I'll be very generous and give it two out of five. Well, that's fair enough, taking the, uh, the Simon Cowell uh, standpoint. It's fair enough, Dave. I mean, don't be ashamed to uh, to state your opinions. It wouldn't all be... Uh... The thing is, yeah, James, the thing is, I thought the first half hour was very good, and it was going along nicely, and I was enjoying it, mm. and then it took uh, a left turn for me. And not have to turn on light. And it's very hard to sort of. Um, I mean, if it had been a two parter, I could almost see it being a two parter like um, the Daleks, uh, you know, Manhattan one, where the first mm. half was brilliant and the second half was all, you know, crazy, crazy things. Mm. You, know, people, you know, Daleks being whipped and funny monsters and all the other things. So I'm going to get off and I'll listen to positive ones uh, rather than just have two extra ordinary series episodes. I'm sorry. No, that's right, Dave. Tras, let's hear what you have to say. Well, I really like this uh, episode a lot, and I think it really counterpoints very strongly with uh, the Donna ending that we had where... Donna had the memories of the doctor and had to lose them because she couldn't hold on to them. And we have a similar thing where Jackson Lake gets the doctor's memories, but in a different way. And he's able to live with the experience of having experienced the doctor. And this special kind of ends on that happy note as opposed to the the sad note that we leave Donna and Wilf in the finale. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was a, a nice like change. Right after that. that. You know, that he actually accepted <laughs> the dinner. Though I don't know how yeah. um, Jackson Lake has was able to prepare a, a dinner that was waiting for him in that time period, but we'll let that pass. <laughs> so I thought that was a very interesting uh, counterpoint there. And, uh, the uh, the way that uh, Jackson Lake was played by David Morrissey was extremely well done, well played, and it's you, you could see little bits of David Tennant there, and bits of David Morrissey bringing his own personality to to the to this character of the Doctor that he's taking over not having memory of who he was. Yeah, so that was quite interesting. And I, and I like the way that for a good portion at the beginning of the story, you really don't know who this David Morrissey character is, whether he actually is the next Doctor or whether he's something else. Well, that was a good point. I think the whole memory loss thing played well because 
through that two minute preview clip, it made it clear, at least to, to me and, and I think probably for most people, that he wasn't really the doctor. But we didn't think about the memory thing. But well, maybe, you know, because he didn't recognize his younger self, you know, he didn't recognize David Tennant. So we knew that wasn't the doctor. And he was, you know, playing it a bit over the top. I'm the one and only and all that. But if he was somehow had his memory damaged and this was really the future doctor, I mean, it could be a possibility. I mean, and, and maybe to the point where he was actually using an analog screwdriver because he couldn't recall, you know, his his where his real sonic screwdriver is or, or whatever. So it just opened up that box, a, a box of possibilities, uh, having that whole memory loss playing into it. I thought it was a good addition to it. But that's a digital screwdriver. He uses his digits. <laughs> this is true. I'm sorry. I take that back. <laughs> so, um, any other things that, that, that stood out for you? Well, as was mentioned by somebody else, the the exploding special effect, especially at the end when uh, Hardigan realizes what she has done and then the Cybermen and and she explode, I thought that that really took away from the strength of the writing there. That special effect really didn't help matters. And since the, uh, the Cyber King ship was sent into the void or the vortex or wherever it was, it, it really seemed like superfluous to, to ending the, the, that plot line. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've seen their heads exploding in the prior stories, but mm -hmm. having the, the whole thing explode, that that's kind of like, and, and leaving no residue. Yeah, I don't get it. it. Yeah, it's about the thing for me. I mean, if it had been like a classic explosion with fireballs and everything, I could accept that. But it was just the fact that they literally popped like balloons, and you just it's saw true. like little bits of rubber flying away. And I just thought, that's a, come on, BBC. You know, you can do better than that. We've seen the quality of the special effects that you're capable of. Don't fob us off with this nonsense. I mean, for heaven's sake, just didn't, that was rubbish. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'm not even blaming it on the mill. I just, I don't know, it's perhaps it's written that way that they just pop into thin air or whatever. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's to blame, but it just doesn't, you know, I just don't get it. Even when we first saw these Pete's World Cybermen and they, their heads exploded for no reason, I didn't get it at that time either. I just don't get the, you know, the spontaneous combustion of these uh, Pete's World Cybermen. Well, for those that have read the writer's tale, will realize that th this story was written like under the gun at the last minute, and I think they were even extending the, the filming by a week just so that Russell has enough time to finish this story so that they could film it at the end of the series for production run. So, it's, considering it's all those... All those pressures, it's amazing that he came out with a story as enjoyable as this one. Mm -hmm. Sure. You, you yeah, bring up the true. book. That book also has um, photographs of the original ending of series, the, of the finale of season uh, series four, that is, the 2008 series, where it, it was originally going to start with the Cybermen on, on the TARDIS, you know, sort of like the Titanic hitting the TARDIS from last year, and, and they changed that ending. And I'm glad they did because um, I think this, end, this beginning works better and 
I think it's a more dramatic beginning than just the Cybermen just appearing on the TARDIS out of thin air. That cut and the cut of the dialogue that was mentioned in the confidential when uh, About the, the doctor is checking the heartbeat. Yeah. Those are two really good cuts that really improved the story. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they didn't give it away that, the, you know, even the, the expression on the doctor's face didn't give anything away when he was, you know, with the stethoscope examining Jackson Lake to see whether or not he, you know, had two hearts or not. Just letting it, just keeping that mystery going on a little bit further, I think helped it. Yes, and so, and speaking of two hearts, when the doctor says, uh, you know, referring to his companions that they break his heart, shouldn't it be hearts? Oh, we'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they only break one of them. Oh, he only breaks one of. The other one's fine. <laughs> Have a heart or two. All right. Well. um... I think we will had said what we wanted to say for the most part. Let's bring other people on board unless um, anyone else has anything else to offer. We're going to, we have about seven, eight people in the queue. Mm. Let's get things going with Ramana too from, from Australia. Hello boys. Hello. 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 Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. For a couple Thank you. Um, Happy New Year as well. Thank yes. you. Thank you. So, um, I'm just going to go ahead. <laughs> I um, thought this episode was great. Um, I was looking forward to it for six months because um, I'll bring this point up now because no one else has made it. Um, David Tennant and David Morrissey have worked together before in a series yes. called Blackpool, mm-hmm. um, which which is a part drama, part musical, which is one of the series I um, love a lot. So, ever since I found out that David Morrissey was going to be in this, I was so uber excited um, because the last time we saw these two act together, they were doing the tango <laughs> to these boots were made for walking. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, very amusing. Um, they so, show yeah. a little bit of that in confidential. In confidential. Yeah. yeah, I love that scene. It's like the best David Tennant David Morrissey scene ever. For me, but that's me just being a fangirl. Anyway, um, David Morrissey was awesome in this. Um, I think many people agree he's probably the best part of this episode. Um, other than seeing the 10 Doctors on screen, of course, that was marvelous as well. But um, other people mentioned that, so I just won't mention that again. Um, I loved seeing his name in the opening credits. That was a big thrill for me. Um, I was afraid that the other lady was going to get the opening credit, um, the um, chick who played Rosita. But I'm glad she didn't because... Well, that's an interesting (laughs) point that I I wanted to make earlier, which I'm glad you you mentioned, is that Rosetta Rosetta, um, really didn't play a a, as prominent role as we were expecting, you know, where David uh, Morrissey really, you know, as Jackson Lake really was the companion or the guest companion, so to speak, in this story more so than any other person, you know. And I, I thought that was an interesting, um, you know, going into this where we all went into this thinking that she was going to be the guest companion, you know, just like the, the various other Christmas specials had the guest, you know, companion. And with the exception of um, Catherine Tate, who then came back as a regular proper companion, if you will. Rosita was more of the companion of Jackson Lake. Yes, Karen. yes, but yeah. but before the, going into this, she was sort of billed and hyped as the next, com, you know, companion for this story. You know, that's how she was kind of presented as. Yeah, no, I love the fact that in this, it was a male companion for the most part, which is what we need more of. Um, 
in my opinion, we need more of this kind of male companion dynamic. It works really well um, mm-hmm. and keeps the fangirls very happy. Um, <laughs> but on <I'm> his <laughs> um, the performance, his performance was great as well. Um, and in the beginning, um, he did kind of slip into the being a bit hammy, but as soon as he did that, every time he did that, I was reminded of his character from Blackpool, Ripley Holden. Especially that whole line, how he said the one, the only, and the best. That is such a really holding line. It just took me out of the story for a little moment, but it was still okay. Um, his, I'll talk about his costume as well. His costume was a nice um, homage to the Eighth Doctor, I believe, with the um, cravat and vest and frock coat, which um, which is me and my friend enjoyed watching mm-hmm. him run around in. It has to be said. Um, <laughs> Really wishing he was the eleventh doctor because I really enjoyed his portrayals in, in, in this story. But um, again, that's just not going to happen. But you know, it was nice to kind of wish. Well, you can never say this. never. It's, it won't be the first time that never it, uh, that it, it, guess, it has happened. <laughs> it would be a yeah, bit of a time one explanation. That point you made about the, the speech, the one, the only, and the best. The We've best, seen yeah. Tennant do a similar speech in certain episodes in the past as well, so that's probably just yeah, taking... That. Probably. But the whole way he did it and the, the winking just was screamed drizzly holding to me. It was just... <laughs> if you hadn't seen that series, you wouldn't get that connection that I got. But anyway, um, and it was good to have him as the main companion in this. Um... I just like how this story panned out. Um, in the beginning, I was kind of fooled every now and then. I thought, no, he can't be the 11th Doctor. But then a, night, a part of a story would happen where you thought maybe he might be, like when the Fob Watch came out and when he said, the night I regenerated, all this kind of stuff. I'm going, no, no, they can't have regenerating this, but it didn't happen. But, you know, it was nice to kind of believe. Um, and just a little random little point to throw out there. Um, I'm amazed at how... <laughs> The doctor has bigger inside and out pockets, it has to be said. Because how he manages to fit a thought in his pocket, I will never know. Did anyone else notice that? It's bigger on the inside. He whips out a sword at the end to cut the rope to go up to save um, um, (laughs) Jackson's son. How did that fit in there? Yeah. (laughs) If you go back to the runaway bride, he had remote control for the the robo-man, the robo-santos, whatever. (laughs) And yeah. and he explains it that it's leg. bigger on the inside, as a joke. Was <laughs> um, it found his leg or something, or, or or how did he get that out of his? Was he running around with a sword in his leg? I just don't get it. Or was there a sword <laughs> lying around on the floor? And that that kind of just made me me and my friend giggle immensely. Um, <laughs> Where could you have possibly produced it from? <laughs> Exactly. It's like um, no issues in there at all. I well, it's with like, uh, <laughs> where did uh, Captain Jack pull the uh, the pistol from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <Trinian laughs> Spanish. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. <laughs> yes, we don't want to know, especially with you, Jack. Um, but yeah, moving, crashing on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Tell us a little bit about the Cybermen in this. Uh, it was a nice little homage to um, the um, having the Cyber Leader have the black handlebars in this. Because um, we actually, I went and saw, took this over to my friend's place so she could watch it, and we did an audio commentary of it as well. So between the first watching and the second watching, we watched Earthshock in the middle, which was kind of um, a nice little thing to watch in the middle. And we saw, we noticed the connection. Um, the story that it had with us check with like the scanners and the um, handlebars, but yeah, that was a nice little thing. And um, 
Sutherland looked really good in the snow, um, it has to be said. Um, of course, their first appearance was they were in the snow. But um, it just really worked. Um, that thing in the graveyard was really marvellous. Um, aside the shades are interesting. Um, I was hoping for a little bit more explanation about what they were, but I kind of guessed that it was kind of like the um, the minds of cats and dogs put into the bodies or something. Although my friend had this really funny connection about the cyber shade and the spirit of jazz from the mighty bush. <laughs> but that's just my friend being really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was just like, um, yes, dear, you can think that. It's okay. <laughs> and the way they kind of sat like dogs um, when the cyber king was rising up, so it was like, um, yeah. Um, almost done. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Mrs. Hardikin. Um you can never remember her name, but she was marvellous. Um, definitely a great actress and great part, and um, the, she looked stunning in that red dress, um, which was great. And um, there was a, a little bit alluded to in some of the lines of dialogue and um, the commentary as well that she had quite a tormented past, and she was kind of like Jackson Lake, where she had assumed this fugue state to kind of um, cope with what's happened to her in the past. Um, which is alluded to, and it's a bit dark. It's all kind of about abuse and stuff, and it's a bit, yeah. So that was a nice little kind of touch to the story. You kind of got why she was um, like that and why she flipped out at the end the way she did because the um, cyber connection was broken and she got her mind back and then went back to probably remembered everything that happened to her and then saw everything, and that's probably what... Again, the Cyber King, um, I did like it. It was very punk and awesome but um yeah it's a bit over the top but again it's christmas day over the topness isn't is okay um as long as they don't do it for the rest of the year you know um but yeah alas there was no viva gallifrey moment like i was hoping no big musical number um that was just me and my silly blackpool um obsessed um dream um there but yeah so <laughs> I was so hoping for something resembling these sides. These boots were made for walking with Cybermen. But that was just me being silly. I think the doctor did mention the Cybermen had like cyber, silent boots on or something like that at one point. Oh, yes. I just next time silent. That was a great line. <laughs> um, lots of great bits in this um, that I won't go into just for time. But um, I made an audio commentary of this with me and my friend, which I'll be uploading to my TalkShoe website. So if people want to hear my fangirl ramblings about this episode, they can. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wrap it up here, and it's um, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Um, not quite a 5, because a little bit, I would have liked a bit more explanation about the cyber shade. And, um, but, you yeah, know, Dave Morrissey was awesome. Um, he was the highlight of this entire episode for me, and I always knew he would be. Um, it's just a marvellous episode. I've watched it five times already. Mind you, three of those times oh. was with a commentary. But um, <laughs> I w I've only seen it twice, and then three times missing or doing a commentary. So, it's, you know, mm -hmm. what can you do? But anyway, so 4.5 out of me. It's an awesome show, and I'm so glad that Australia gets it before the rest of the world does. Um, we have it on the 25th of December on the ABC. January 25th to 25th of December. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. It's too early in the morning. 
Yeah, January 25th on the ABC. Um, time slot unconfirmed, but um, I haven't heard anything about the Sci-Fi Channel or BBC America or anywhere else getting it, so it'd be brilliant to see Australia get it first. Yeah. Wow. Um, so looking forward to seeing, watching it again on um, the ABC. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to hand the reins over to whoever's after me. Well, thank um, you so much. No Cheers, Ramon. I'm still not sure whether you liked. I'm not sure whether you liked it or not yet. <laughs> she only seen it five oh, times. Oh no, you think? No, she no, saw, she saw it twice. <laughs> I knew I'd love it even before it I, I watched it. David Morris coming. How can you go wrong there? <laughs> but anyway, I she would have given her a full five if the two danced together, but. Alas, they didn't. I would have given her a five if there was a big musical number and, and they did a Texas tango. Yes, I would have. <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Goodbye. Uh, we'll have to, you have to wait for the special edition. Okay, what's the two days? He's tricking himself in missing that trick. <laughs> Okay, with that, we're going to end this part of this episode here. We're going to continue our live over the net podcast reviewing the next Doctor in the next Doctor Who Podshock episode, number 138, where we'll pick up where we left off right here. Like I said, it was a, um, a full show, an extended show, because we had so many people on the show uh, in the queue and we tried to get to everyone the best we could it was a very popular live show so it did run longer than we had expected so therefore uh, we're breaking this podcast up into two parts part one being what you just heard part two will continue the conversation about the next doctor with more live callers you'll hear what other people had to say about the next doctor so until then i'm lewis trapani and on behalf of James and Ken, my two co-hosts for Doctor Who Podshock, we wish you well and come back next time for more Doctor Who Podshock. been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyNembassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock You can email us at feedback at podshock.net Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Trapani. This has been an Art Trap production and is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you.
TARDIS. T-A-R-D-I-S. It stands for Tethered Aerial Release Developed in Style. <laughs> Do you see? 